the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, the first week in December signals the official start of the Advent season. You know, that four-week period leading up to Christmas Day, December 25th. And the first Sunday in Advent, December 3rd, has already burst on the scene, hasn't it? Well, we're going to utilize this formal Advent season in December and turn it into a refresher course. So, we're going to hone in on a few incredible Hebrew terms and concepts that will actually enhance our Christian understanding of the first coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMoshiach into the world. And friends, if you'd like to review the meaning behind Advent, please listen to the first session in my Advent prequel series from November. You can access the podcasts at either faithtalk1360.com and just search the menu for local program podcasts or search on spotify.com for A Word from the Word with Pastor Tom. You can even find us on Apple Podcasts. In this December mini-series I'm calling Christmas, key terms and concepts today in part one we'll take a deeper look at this beautiful and rich word emmanuel i actually just love saying this word emmanuel which of course in both the hebrew old testament and the greek new testament means god with us back in 1997 a creative presentation was given in a book called cosmic christmas now the author was max lucado but please keep in mind friends that this is the Max Lucado of the 1990s and not the Max Lucado of 2023. As you may already know, Lucado has come under fire for his present associations, and you can update yourself by doing an internet search. Just know, friends, that in quoting from his 1997 book, Cosmic Christmas, please do not assume I endorse or support his present stance on issues. I'm quoting this brief portion because it is truly a feast for the imagination. The premise kind of asks the question, was the birth of our Lord Jesus a quietly profound event, or did it include a battle in the cosmic sphere? 
as a way of introducing us all to this fantastic term and concept, Emmanuel, I want to take us on an imaginative journey. Here I want us to envision ourselves as outsiders listening in and overhearing a conversation between God the Father and the angel Gabriel. Gabriel is being commissioned to bring a gift to earth. However, this dialogue is all of a sudden interrupted by the abrupt appearance of the devil, who irreverently bursts in and forces himself into the conversation. Gabriel has been our narrator and now directs our attention to Satan's part in the discussion. After a brief introduction, Gabriel now continues... Satan began to growl, a throaty, guttural, angry growl, softly at first, then louder until the room was filled with a roar that must have quaked the foundations of hell. But the king was not bothered. Feeling ill, Lucifer lurked around the room, breathing loudly, searching for words to say in a shadow from which to say them. Lucifer finally found the words, but never the shadow. Show me, O king of light, show me one person on earth who always does right and obeys your will. Dare you ask? You know there need be only one perfect one, only one sinless one to die for all the others. I know your plans, and you have failed. No Messiah will come from your people. There is none who is sinless, not one. He turned his back to the desk and began naming children. Not Moses, not Abraham, not Lot, not Rebekah, not Elijah. The father stood up and from his throne released a wave of holy light so intense that Lucifer staggered backward and fell. Those are my children, you mock. God's voice boomed. You think you know much, fallen angel, but you know so little. Your mind dwells on the valley of self. Your eyes see no further than your own needs. The king walked over and reached for the book. He turned it toward Lucifer and commanded, Come, deceiver, read the name of the one who will call your bluff. Read the name of the one who will storm your gates. Satan rose slowly off his haunches. Like a wary wolf, he walked a wide circle toward the desk until he stood before the volume and read the word, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, he muttered to himself, then spoke in a tone of disbelief, God with us? For the first time, the hooded head turned squarely toward the face of the father. No, not even you would do that. Not even you would go that far. You've never believed me, Satan. But, Emmanuel, the plan is bizarre. You don't know what it's like on earth. You don't know how dark I've made it. It's putrid. It's evil. It's mine, proclaimed the king. And I will reclaim what is mine. I will become flesh. I will feel what my creatures feel. I will see what they see. But what of their sin? I will bring mercy. What of their death? I will give life. Satan stood speechless. Then God spoke, I love my children. Love does not take away the beloved's freedom, but love takes away fear. And Emmanuel will leave behind a tribe of fearless children. They will not fear you or hell. Remember now, friends, this is the Lucado of the 1990s and not the Lucado of today. 
Well, the Danish Christian philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, who lived in the early to mid-1800s, made a valiant effort to relay this idea of an Emmanuel to his own generation in terms they could understand. So he attempted to communicate Emmanuel this way. A certain king was very rich. His power was known throughout the world, but he was most unhappy, for he desired a wife. Without a queen, the vast palace was empty. One day, while riding through the streets of a small village, he saw a beautiful peasant girl. She was so lovely that she won the king's heart. He wanted her more than anything he had ever desired. On succeeding days, he would ride by her house on the mere hope of seeing her for a moment in passing. The king wondered how he might win her love. He first thought, I'll draw up a royal decree and require her to be brought before me to become the queen of my land. But as he reconsidered this thought, he realized that she was a subject and would be forced to obey. He could never be certain that he had won her love. Then he said to himself, I shall call on her in person. I will dress in my finest royal garments, wear my diamond rings, my silver sword, my shiny black boots, and my most colorful tunic. I will overwhelm her and sweep her off her feet to become my bride. But as he pondered this idea, he knew he would be left wondering whether she married him for the riches and power he could give her. He then thought about dressing as a peasant and having his carriage drop him off in the town. He would then approach her house in disguise. But the deception behind this plan did not appeal to him. At last he realized what he had to do. He would shed his royal robes and go to the village and become one of the peasants. As a peasant, he would work and suffer with them. This he finally did, and in so doing, he won his bride. Friends, isn't this precisely what God did? Isn't this how he won humankind? In Jesus Christ, God became one of us. He took upon himself the form of a human being to dwell among us, with us. Now, some of us have the tendency to think the Christmas story began with Jesus' arrival in that little town of Bethlehem. We'll point to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 through 23, where the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph in a dream and comforts him with these legendary words, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bear a son. Notice, friends, the angel did not say she will bear you a son, as was said to Zechariah regarding his wife Elizabeth about the coming birth of John the Baptist, per Luke chapter 1. So the angel continued, and she, Mary, will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Matthew then goes on to tell us, Now all this took place that was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. 
This, of course, is the voice of the prophet Isaiah, spoken some 700 years before Jesus arrives, found in Isaiah 7.14. So there are others who believe that the Christmas story began here, in which Matthew, then under divine inspiration, points to Jesus as its ultimate fulfillment. In majestic language, Isaiah 7.14 simply and elegantly proclaims, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will be called, call his name Emmanuel. Friends, I'd like to propose that in actuality, the understanding of God's real presence being with his people began back in Exodus chapter 3, when God revealed himself to Moses during that burning bush experience. Remember, there God revealed his name, the very name that the Hebrew people would ultimately come to understand as that special name that bound them to their God, a covenant name with such richness and depth of meaning that biblical scholars to this day have not been able to fully fathom. A name that simply consists of four Hebrew consonants, Y-H-V-H. In Hebrew, yod Hey vav Hey. How in the world should we pronounce these four letters? It's kind of quirky when you look at it. Well, friends, there have been a lot of proposals from rabbis down to Christian scholars today. Some of the best Hebrew and Christian minds advance that it is likely pronounced Yahweh or Yahweh, possibly Yahweh or Yahweh. What's both curious and interesting about the Hebrew construction here is that it turns out to be a breath word. You literally have to breathe it out, Yahweh. It's almost as if when we say God's name in the Hebrew language, we are declaring that God gave us breath and life. It may even be possible that subconsciously we are calling attention to Genesis 2-7, where we read, Then the Lord God. Yahweh Elohim, if you will, formed the man out of this dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils, and the man became a living being. Well, friends, do you remember Moses' mission in the book of Exodus? God was sending him to Pharaoh to insist that Pharaoh let the Israelites leave Egypt. But Moses was a little apprehensive about this mission, so in Exodus 3.12, let's pick up a conversation between God and Moses. And he, God, said, Certainly I will be with you, and this shall be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain." Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I shall say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a birth certificate that says the name of someone's kid is I am. Have you? 
The closest thing to this was back in the early days of the band Jefferson Airplane, when the lead vocalist Gracie Slick named her daughter God, with a small g, when she was born. I think she goes by the name China now. So, here in Exodus 3, the covenant name of God is revealed, the name that will bind the Israelites to God forever, the deeply personal and intimate name God chose to call himself to Moses, a name that represents a God of relation. I like to think of it this way. The general name for God in Hebrew is El, the singular form, or Elohim, the plural form. We see this throughout Genesis chapters 1 through 3 and best emphasized in the creation account. Well, let's pause here a moment, friends. You're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I value you as listeners because A Word from the Word is listener-funded. Your financial partnership is vital in keeping this program on the air, which also disciples Christians without a church home at this time, and you who may have been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. Please join forces with me and A Word from the Word and email me for our support details at a word from the word at minister.com that's a word from the word at minister.com friends we're living in challenging financial times and ministries are not immune from these same challenges a word from the word is still seeking to become fully funded and monthly supporters are greatly needed we'll repeat this contact information at the end of today's program well friends for me i like to explain that elohim represents the aspect of God that pictures him as the God of creation. In other words, the God of power and might. And Yahweh represents that aspect of God where he is revealed as the God of relation, the God who is with us, the God who is concerned about us, the God who sees our struggles and meets us where we are. So the I am and the phrase I am who I am. What rich and virtually unexplorable depth is verbalized here, friends. The most brilliant minds among Jews and Christian scholars tell us that this phrase can be understood a few different ways. The common way it's translated in most English Bibles is, I am that I am. It may also be understood as, I will be who I will be, or I shall be what I shall be, even I am the existing one, or I cause to be what comes to pass. I've even been told that this phrase is grammatically constructed to intentionally be an incomplete sentence or an open-ended sentence awaiting to be completed. Because, friends, wrapped up in this simple yet profound name, derived from the verb to be, is the idea of being actively present in. This idea of active presence implies that God is with us and active in our daily lives and experiences. I gotta believe that what God is trying to get through to our thick skulls is that from the beginning he created us to be in a relationship with him, as he promises to be our I Am, our Yahweh. Friends, I personally look at it this way. What God is trying to tell us is that he will be what we need him to be when we need him to be it. And please don't misunderstand me to be saying that God is now our cosmic bellhop, our burger king in the sky, if you will. You know, hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, hold the trials, don't upset us. 
Unfortunately, our Western civilization has been heavily influenced by Greek thought, gods who are abstract, impersonal, distant, vague, and therefore we have to rely on mere god consciousness or metaphysical experiences. And you know as well as I do that these ideas are with us today as strong as ever, particularly in the Eastern and New Age religions. On the other hand, friends, the Bible through Moses' story helps us to reclaim Israel's or the Hebrew view of God and the significance of his personal name. In the ancient Near Eastern times, in other words, Bible times, a person's self or identity was expressed in their name. In God's name, we learn of his very nature, character, and true self. This is why it's so significant, friends, when in the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and immediately clashes with the Jewish religious leaders, or as I like to call them, the JRL. Time and time again, Jesus makes statements that connect him directly to God, in fact, making claims to be God. His very name alone, Jesus, or more properly, Yeshua, means God saves, or the Lord saves. On one occasion, Jesus said to a multitude that included some Pharisees, "'Unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins.'" per John chapter 8, verse 54. In his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, he prayed in the presence of his disciples, I manifested your name to those whom you gave me out of the world. In other words, God's name. Whoa, hold on here. Just a minute. Isn't this Jesus? That young carpenter from an obscure village who was executed in his early 30s? But... He was also God, not just a God, but the God of our Old Testament, present with us, now in human form. Friends, the message of the Advent Christmas season is therefore found in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. And they will name him, Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God with us. After all, Jesus once said, He who has seen me has seen the Father, in John chapter 14, verse 9. So what we know of the character and nature of God, we know through his Son, Jesus, because in him, in Jesus, God is with us. Friends, Christmas brings many joys, but the greatest joy should be knowing that in the babe of Bethlehem, we have a representation of God. The opening verses of Hebrews chapter 1 says, In the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophet at many times and in various ways, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Here it comes, friends. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. You see, friends, had Jesus come in splendor, he would have merely to be an unapproachable object of wonder and awe. Had he come as a mighty conqueror, we would have honored him, but then feared him. But he stepped down from his throne, removed his robes of glory, and wrapped himself in skin, human skin. Jesus came into our world as a weak and helpless child, just like we did. Friends, this weak and helpless child, however, was very God in the flesh. 
very God near to us, sharing our humanity, speaking our language, sympathizing with our heartaches, comprehending our hopes. Well, you want to hear a cool thing, friends? There are at least a half dozen EL names for God. I'm sure you've at least heard this one, El Shaddai. God Almighty. But there's only one name where E-L is at the end of the name, Emmanuel, literally meaning with us is God. Personally, I find this significant that the focus in this particular name is on the with us and why it's first. So perhaps this Christmas, the key isn't just to acknowledge or realize that in Jesus, God is near to us. God is with us. Maybe the key should be to ask ourselves, am I near to God? Am I with him? Maybe instead of crusading to get Christ back into Christmas, we should work on getting the Christ of Christmas back into us, into our hearts, where he can rule and reign in us. Maybe this Christmas, even though giving gifts to others may be special and meaningful, wouldn't it be just as special and meaningful to think about giving a gift to Jesus? This Christmas, how about giving Jesus the gift of ourselves, our lives, the gift of giving ourselves fully to him, not as the manger Jesus, but as the King Jesus. Just like the Christmas carol, Angels We Have Heard on High invites us to Come adore on bended knee, Christ the Lord, the newborn King. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of our program, and I hope it's been both inspiring and challenging. Today's broadcast will close with an email where you may share your feedback on today's program or any other program you've listened to. It would be a blessing to hear how a word from the Word is impacting you. The email you hear shortly is also where you may inquire about how to help fund a word from the Word, which is listener-funded. During these economically and financially challenging times, Christian ministries are not immune from these same challenges, so please pray and consider coming on board and joining our support team. A Word from the Word is seeking to become fully funded, and monthly partners are greatly needed. If these teachings are inspiring you to grow and study God's Word more intently, please make an investment in the ministry of A Word from the Word, which includes sharing the gospel, discipling those of you who may be without a church home at this time, and or those of you who have been hurt or wounded by the institutional church. I love coming alongside all of you. Our podcasts are freely available at faithtalk1360.com. That's faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts and then scroll to A Word from the Word. Or go on spotify.com and search for A Word from the Word with Pastor Tom. Or find us on Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at christianbody.net, A Word from the Word is broadcast in over 70 countries. Friends, we desire to end this year, 2023, in the black, and you can help us do that by considering a one-time contribution or become a monthly partner before 2023 closes out. Well, thanks for listening today, friends, and remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the Word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.